0: Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are
1: and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc.
0: Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine.
1: This is your first time here, or maybe the first few times here. Uh, We are uh, just a, a family of believers that are working together to try to to be as devoted to Christ as we can and to learn from him and to grow into him and so I hope that you will not only help us do that but be helped by that because there are lots of reasons to 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 go to church and to find yourself in the church uh, some is, sometimes it's it's to to help people sometimes it is to be helped so regardless of why you're here today we want to we want to be a help to you and uh, so we have a lot of things that are coming up in the near future some some things where we want to move from just partnering with people to actually doing some of the work. Trying to resource our people to be better uh, 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 representatives and better ambassadors in a broken world. Some, some training that we want to begin to offer and to get for our people. We have some classes that we want to begin to offer pretty soon. And so, In order to take part in, in many of these things, you're going to have to be in the know. We can't possibly mention everything from the stage each week. And so if you are not getting our information or if your information has changed since uh, since you signed up, uh, that's why it's so important for us to be able to get that contact information, not because we want anything from you, but we want so much for you. So if today we weren't able to get that from you, before you go today, if you would just let me, uh, let me have that or, or talk to someone out at Connection Point, um, I'm sure they will... Be very quick at getting that information so that we can begin to communicate with you throughout the week. And so you can take advantage of some opportunities that are, that are coming up. I uh, won't go into those this morning. But, uh, but there's some things I'm pretty excited about on the horizon. So uh, the book of Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, anybody know? So is he. So, you know, wait a minute. Our heart does some thinking, and that's obviously true. But the mind thinks first. And uh, this is the, the soul of man, the part of us that processes the life that is happening around us. So the mind thinks, and when the mind believes, it begins to trickle down into the heart. And then the heart begins to think. And when the heart thinks, the heart believes. When the heart begins to believe, that is where action takes place. Action does not take place because of what the mind thinks Action takes place by what the heart thinks. That's how you can truly know if you believe something or not. You're acting on it, not just confessing it or professing it, okay? Up until then, any idea, any concept with faith is just that, a concept, something that we say, something that we know. It's rational and it's logical, but faith has to also become emotional, We are thinkers, but we are also called to be feelers. And you know that there are churches who focus really on the rational side of being right. And then there are churches who focus on the emotional side of how you feel. And and I believe that the scripture is pretty clear that there is a balance in how these things come together. We shouldn't be afraid as Christians to feel and to emote. But we also shouldn't be afraid of truth and being able to stake a claim in that, So we, we need to learn as a people, because I can tell you, I don't want this to become like super political. I mean, those of you who know me know that. Um, I'm not afraid of cultural events. Uh, but at the same time, I want to make sure that we have a biblical perspective and not just a, a news media one. But I, there wasn't very long ago that I could... It, I, I, well... <clears throat> You ever, you ever tried to talk and the Holy Spirit said, would you just shut up? (laughs) Yeah, me either. So, um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It wasn't very long ago, maybe even just a couple of years, there are some prophecies in the scripture that it's like, I I believe them to be hundred percent true, but I don't know how we get there from here. You know, I mean, how could we be so, how could we be so sucked in by certain things? How could we be so weak minded to be, to, to go along with such things? And let me tell you again. I don't want this. This is not. I don't mean this to be political. But COVID proved that we can. Uh, we can think alike, and we gravitate into groups, and we reinforce our own ideas. And it really doesn't have to be true. Uh, we like the information that backs our side. That's true of both sides, by the way. Right? We, we only we only stake a claim in the truth that supports what we want to be true. Well, now all of a sudden we've got. I don't know, you go back into the Old Testament, uh, Ezekiel 37, and you can see, you know, Russia aligning with Iran and coming against Israel and all of these sorts. Whether you believe that that's what it means or not, I do. And And I see all of a sudden we're on the precipice of some things culturally around the world, and I'm afraid our eyes are closed to it. Again, I don't really care. Just, it doesn't matter what side. I don't. I mean, it does matter, but not for this point. It does matter. What I'm trying to say is it's very important for us to be biblically grounded and not swayed by the news. It's important for us to be able to, to, to step into the world and to speak peace because the world's going to speak peace and safety.
0: And the rest of the world is going to be so gullible that they're going to buy it. And the church is going to have
1: lost all of its influence by then. Now, again, I know prophecies about the church too. I want to be, though, in in that group that is still able to stand for truth and hasn't lost its voice. I want us to be that, that church without spot or blemish. And how we respond to the day-to-day of our life will help determine how strongly we're able to stand in world events. So I want us to be prepared for that. And our faith demands both. And I, I don't say all, that th- all those things to worry any of us because it's, it's really easy to, I mean, if you're worried about how it all, ban- I remember, you know, remember that movie Titanic when it came out? I remember I wanted to see that movie with my wife and we went to church next week and we were talking about being there and or seeing it and one of the women in our church said, oh, don't tell me, I don't want to. What do you mean don't tell you? The boat sinks. How can you not know this? (laughs) (laughs) I don't tell you. Spoiler alert. (laughs) A hundred years later, we found out. Uh, So I say all of that just to say this. I, I don't say any of that to scare you. I'm not trying to give you spoiler warnings, but we have already... The history has already been settled on how it all works out. But our faith demands our ability to, to think, and then to believe, and then to respond. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, to experience Him, not just know that He is good, experience it at the deepest level. It talks about the eyes of the heart. So we know that these things work in conjunction to to know experientially and to also know emotionally. And I think because that is true, that is where the the humanity has gotten off for so many, well, so much of its time. And and when Jesus speaks and when the the New Testament speaks, it talks about both of these things because when we are not walking in balance, we either walk away from truth or we walk into Fear. And it creates trouble in our life and it creates panic in our life and it creates anxiety in our life when we're not walking in balance with what God has said and driving our fallen emotions into that truth. We can't be a people who who follow our emotions because our emotions are liars. And we will always choose the direction that reinforces what we want to be true. And so what we should
0: want to be true is let God be true and every man a liar. So from time
1: to time, we need to reorient ourselves to the convictions of our head, the process down to the processes of our heart, to evaluate what we say by what we do. And I'm telling you, we're living in an age right now where churches
0: like us, people like us, know the right answers, but we're not living it.
1: We, we know what's right. And if somebody were to, I, I, it's really been, it's really been, um, I guess, working on me. I, you know, about 20 years ago, I started falling in love with apologetics. Apologetics is the, the ability to defend truth. Uh, And so, you know, if somebody were to ask a question about creation or dinosaurs or, you know, a a billion, jillion other things with Scripture, I like being able to go, hmm, I already know the answer to that. Boom. Right? And so, somewhere or another, we shifted from proclaiming the gospel to apologetics and defending it. We've moved into a defensive
0: stance rather than a, who, who's proclaiming the gospel anymore? There's very few, very few. When you think about the
1: people who, who don't really, and, and what passes, yesterday we were driving around uh, in, in Conway and there was a street preacher proclaiming the gospel, I suspect, not really sure 100%, because there was nobody around him. He was out all by himself with a video camera and he had his back to the, to the cars driving, and he was just speaking. And later, he's going to talk about what a terrible culture we live in because nobody will listen to the street preachers anymore. That's not proclaiming the gospel. Proclaiming the gospel is being able to talk to a coworker or to a neighbor to be able to rightly. When's the last time that we saw a revival of soul winning? Where did that go? No, we've just, we've just battened down the hatches and we have become so inwardly
0: focused and we're not even aware of it. We're really not even aware of it. But we can answer the questions. You know, answers are really easy
1: until they're needed personally. Until you have that, until you have that tragedy in your life, It's really easy to spout off the answers for others. Fear, pain, chaos, busyness, and death move faith from abstract to concrete pretty quickly. So when life is all about us, and we would never say that, believe me, half the things I want to say today, we would never say out loud, but I want us to evaluate it by what we're doing when life is about us, we live as if God lives for us. God exists in order to be a blessing for us. Oh, God loves to bless us. Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, blessed, blessed, blessed. And think about that. It's always, it's always, I'm the recipient of that blessing. And I know we're, we're, we're blessed to be a, but what is it that the scripture says? Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. When when did we move from worrying about being blessed to blessing others? When did we forget that our primary goal in life is to be a blessing to our creator? Instead of living in such a way that you don't
0: forfeit his blessing, to live in such a way that you live to be a blessing to him. Don't live to be blessed by God. Bless him so that you can learn how to live.
1: That great theologian, I'm sure most of you have heard of him, uh, Yoda, the Jedi Master, said, all of his life has looked away to the future, the horizon, never his mind on where he was. I think that's a great life skill to develop. Instead of living in this moment, and man, think about it. Instead of living in this moment, always live for the next. Making decisions based on the future, not on the present. In Psalm 23, very familiar, I'm not going to quote all of it, but it's, it's really about the peace that comes from walking under the protection, the provision, and the power of the good Shepherd. And David includes in that walking in the valley of the shadow of death. And he moves from here talking about judgment and then on into eternity. And I hear a lot of well-meaning preachers talking about the, the valley of the shadow of death is just some difficulties in life. But I think David does have death in mind here. I think death in its heaviest is simply a shadow because David is forecasting its limit to affect us for very long. Because we don't live in death. And now I'm moving to the topic that we're going to talk about today. Not at least for those who trust the shepherd, we don't live in death. And yet we're preoccupied by it. Death is just a key that unlocks life everlasting with Jesus. Or, by the way, death is the key that unlocks the lake of fire and eternal judgment. And I think here David is recognizing the good shepherd, Jesus, is going to bear the full weight of sin, therefore death. And death has no power over us anymore. And then he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That word surely is a word of hope. And when hope becomes settled, it becomes peace. And so there is this peace that can come when we're facing
0: judgment. Think about that peace that comes when we're facing the throne. So if even in the Old Testament, the writers talk about this
1: settled peace, this optimism of facing eternity, why does death have such a hold on us? If the Scripture itself is really in every context about not being afraid, why is death the number one fear? And I will tell you that the fear of dying among Christians is equal proportion to the fear of dying among non-Christians. In fact, I will say that we have become, this is a little preachy, I'm not angry, but we have become so comfortable that we've been able to push off the idea of death. We don't have to think about it if we don't want to. There's a lot of cultures who don't have, to, they literally every day have to deal with facing certain death. But we've grown quite accustomed to, if we don't want to think about it, we just, and up until we're starting to not
0: feel good, we pretend like we're going to live forever. In John chapter 14, verse 27 uh,
1: we've, we've looked at it every week for several weeks. But Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let, your heart, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.
0: Now I want you to turn over to John chapter 17 for just a second. So we know that the heart... As a man thinks in his heart, so he
1: is. Jesus said, I don't want your heart to be fearful because you'll begin to live in fear. I don't want your heart to be troubled because you begin to live in trouble. In verse one, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And he begins to talk about eternity. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go prepare a place for you where I go. You. So Jesus is obviously talking about eternal life. And how we can have peace in the face of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Boy, that is hopeful optimism. Focus squarely in the future. You your, your eyes have never seen anything like it, your ears have never heard anything like it, and your heart can't even conceive of what God has planned for you. That sounds great, doesn't it? And, and Christians should say, yep, yeah, that's my future. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm looking for. And yet when it comes to
0: death, we would pay any amount of money we have to avoid it. So Jesus has this deep
1: intense desire to give you a gift so great that you do not in any of your capabilities in any of your faculties could you even imagine this great gift that God wants to give you that Jesus longs so intensely for you to have that in John chapter 17 verse 24 this is coming at the very end of Jesus's earthly ministry uh, Jesus is in the upper room he's praying this last prayer they're about to go out to the garden where they you know according to John you know it moves pretty fast but the other gospels tell us that you know Jesus goes and he begins to pray these are secret prayers but this is a public prayer where Jesus is praying this in front of his disciples and so John is writing this down this is the last thing that the disciples hear him saying together collectively
0: before his arrest. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have
1: given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you've loved me before the foundation of the world. This, this supreme request comes as a great culmination of Jesus' high priestly prayer. Jesus talks about why, why he came. In, in this prayer, he's just communing with the Father, and he's talking about all the gifts and all the blessing that he has given to the disciples and for all of those who will come as a result of their ministry. Jesus talks about that in this very private moment. He talks about uh, wanting to spend eternity with us, and he says that's why that we even know who he is, That's why we even know his name. But if we're not careful, we know his name for the blessings that we can have. Jesus said we know his name so that we can spend eternity with him. He said, everything that I've ever said, I've said because the Father told me to say it. Very specific about these things. It's the ultimate goal according to verse 6. It's why we know the Father's name. It's why we know the Father's words, according to verse 8. And then again in verse 14. It's why, it's why Jesus said that he guards us and he stays with us, according to verse 12. It's why he prays that we'll be protected from the works of the enemy, Satan, in verse 15. It says that it's for this reason that we have a calling on our lives to minister to other people in verse 20, and the ability to grow and to develop and to look more and more like Jesus, verse 17 and 19. And if we're not careful, we will take the things of Jesus and make them about us. But the very reason that God gave us these resources was to keep our minds firmly focused on eternity. But when we take the resources of Jesus and make them about this earthly life, we fear death. But if we take the blessings of Jesus and see them as the key
0: to unlock eternal life, death loses its ability to terrify us. Jesus said all of these culminate into one thing, into one goal. These are the, All of these things that we've made life about, even our Christian life, is simply the ingredients of a recipe. More than any other thing, I want us to look at it again. Jesus asks from the Father for you.
1: Look at verse 24 again. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The thing that Jesus wants most in this world is for you to be with him for all eternity. Everything he did, he did to glorify the Father so that the Father would glorify the Son and so that the the Spirit would glorify the Son so that the Spirit could live inside of you, but not so that you could live your best life now, but so that you could live for all eternity with his best life in, in, in heaven. That's the point. Now, I'm not saying that our daily lives don't matter. What I'm saying is, is when our daily lives are the only things that matter, we grow way too focused
0: and too comfortable making this heaven. More than anything else, he wants
1: you to see. Have you ever, have you ever gotten some, something for someone and you just cannot wait to give it to them? I mean, you're just so excited. Maybe, maybe something that one of your children really, really want and you just can't, you just can't wait. Or, or there's, there's news that you want to share and you just can't wait. I mean, I can just see Jesus with this eagerness. I mean, I just can't wait for them to see me in all
0: of my glory with you. I just want them to be there with me. He knows that nothing else that you will ever experience is anything better than rot compared to that. On the night, on Jesus' best chance at being
1: anxious and fearful and worried and troubled and doubtful.
0: Jesus is focused on one thing, in peace. He has settled on eternity with you. I think if we're not careful, there's some things that get
1: turned around, you know, from week to week and from year to year and then from generation to generation. And so if you go back over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, I want to show you um, something there. It's, it's, it's very clear,
0: but... We just don't talk about it very often. So
1: man was made in the image of God, in the image and likeness of God. We are made spiritual beings. We are made emotional beings, and we are made physical beings. Uh, but it's in the image of God that we are spiritual and so when God tells Adam, you can eat of any of the tree of the, of, the, uh, of the garden, but just don't eat of this one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because if you eat of it, you'll die. Well, Adam didn't die, except we do know that Adam died spiritually. So that's the image of God that was upon Adam and died the very moment that he rebelled. It wasn't the fruit. It was the, the sin, the rebellion. So Adam and Eve both fall there in the garden, and there is a curse put upon each one of them, including the serpent. But there's a verse here in Genesis chapter three, verse 22. And you remember when God is sending Adam and Eve out, we only say kicking them out, but when God is sending Adam and Eve out of the garden and he places the cherubim at the four corner so that they can't access, you know, we say, wow, man, that's a terrible punishment. Can you imagine being cast out of this place of paradise? Well, it wasn't paradise anymore. <clears throat> and And so, you, you have, and what if, what, what if I were to tell you that that was one of God's greatest gifts was to kick Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden? It was out of his mercy that he did this, not out of punishment. It begins to change the way we see this physical death beginning because what, we'll look at verse 22. And then the Lord said, Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of what? The tree of life and eat and live forever. You see, what, what, the father, what, what God is doing here is he is separating Adam and Eve from the ability to live eternally apart from him. Because if he left them in the Garden of Eden, they would be able to eat of the tree of life, perpetually separated from his presence. Now, while death is a curse, death is being redeemed because it becomes a gift that separates us from this separation of God's presence and gives us an ability to spend eternity in the presence of God. Which is better, the cool of the evenings for having God reside in us. Listen, I would say that forgiven man, redeemed man
0: has a much better relationship with God than even innocent man did. Death death then is a part of the curse. Yes. It is our
1: enemy. But at the same time, God is able to take that which is
0: bad and bring us into his presence. Now he doesn't say that he wants to keep them from the tree of knowledge
1: of good and evil. They've already eaten of that. But he's trying to keep them from living eternally separated
0: from him. Okay, back over to John chapter 17. So it was in, not in God's
1: anger that he sent us from the garden. It's in God's mercy that he sent us from the garden. Death then is a release from eternal separation. So we have to start beginning. You know, I really think that Satan was subtle in the garden. He tricked Adam and Eve. And I think that if Satan can tweak death on and off, I think he'll keep us focused on death as this thing to fear. And he will limit. It will limit. I want you to think about the, the, the places that, humans ref- that Christians
0: refuse to go around the world because it's not safe the things that we're not willing to do because it's not safe. But what if we weren't worried about safe? What if we were worried
1: about seeing the glory of God? What if we were worried about living the life of Christ and trusting the good shepherd? And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What What if we tweaked our view of death just a little bit and begin to see it for what it is? I don't think we would be nearly
0: as fearful of it if we're walking with the resurrection and the life. Now I get that we're incredibly concerned about dying.
1: You have a guy at our church in Nashville, Tennessee. You say, I'm really not afraid of death. It's dying that terrifies me. (laughs) I get it. I really do get it. How, when, where, who will be around us, what we'll leave behind. We will be alone. Um, all these things wrapped up around death is the idea of dying. God has given us a desire to live, and that's, that's the direction that we should live. We should have a desire to live, but to live is Christ, right? When you make this world your desire, you forfeit the life of Christ.
0: But to live is Christ, and to die is gain, It seems though the more we live the life of, that Jesus gave us, the more drawn we
1: will be to be where he is because we have more experience with his life. Think of it this way. If you spend your heart and your mind on the life of this world, then the culmination of the best things that this life
0: offers will begin to draw you. Anything that gets in the way will be dreaded. But if you spend your heart and your
1: mind on the life of Jesus then you'll be drawn to the culmination of the
0: best thing that life offers death then is no longer the curse it's a release Not only are we fearful and troubled by our own death but you know anything
1: pertaining to death think about that death death just creeps us out dead things skeletons and Ghosts and unexplained phenomena. Why, why are we so afraid of death? It's because it's got this curse on it. And once more, you think about people who, and I, I know this is a little preachy, give me a little grace and a lot of patience. But those who choose to rebel against social norms or prove how tough or brave or fearless or immortal they are, they choose a skull or some other picture of death to, to prove it, to intimidate. Not even afraid of death. We have fleshly desires to, to know everything and to be immortal, to live forever. In a world where com- comfort is non existent, death is just a part of life. But in a world where comfort is the goal, we try not to think about death at all, especially our own. At times, we have to stop and ponder the death of loved ones, and we should. And in times like that, we remember that we're mortal. There's a verse of Scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2 says, It's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. I mean, there's the Scripture over and over. David even says, Teach us to number our days. I mean, there's this idea of living with the end in mind so that we can prepare for that. Otherwise, we will not prepare for it. Death has always been a top contender. For our greatest fear and I, and I do think that it originates from the fall Of man Death separates us from being able to control anything And that may be what we fear most And from what we know And perhaps the greatest resistance to death Comes because we know so little about it I mean anybody that there is That we could interview That's already
0: experienced it Isn't here to give the interview I want to say a A quick word regarding
1: those who have passed and come back to tell us their story. Listen, and I'm going to say this very clearly. uh, Be careful believing anyone whose experience trumps what Jesus taught. Be very careful. If If you're not solid in your faith, you'll believe lots of things sound like they're true. And again, remember, when we're not listening to the words of Jesus... We'll believe anything that supports what we want to be true, what makes us feel good and warm. So uh, from time to time, you'll see kids, preachers, scientists, the elderly, sometimes even the rebellious who come back. And it doesn't really matter what the messenger, who the messenger is or what the messenger says you know, they died and they came back to warn us. And you, you know what I'm talking about? These people that, that go and they, they come back and they, they tell you about heaven and they tell you about hell and they tell you the things they experienced and, and uh, all of the warm feelings and hey, it's, it is
0: what it is. Uh, lies are not always going to be gross. Lies are not always going to be unbelievable.
1: We believe them because we want to believe them. We hold tightly to them because they fortify our truth. So when asked about those who return with insight and maybe warnings or encouragement, uh, is is it possible for these things to happen? No, not possible. I'm going to say that very clearly because I don't want to be misunderstood. No, it is not possible. If somebody goes to the afterlife to come back and warn us of something or to encourage us about something or to tell us the lessons they've learned in that, liars, liars. Okay? I don't know that I can be clearer than that. And I know some of you are wanting to hold on really firmly to these stories that warms your spirit, but they're lies. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are angry or that they are trying to slip you up or they even know what they're doing. But Satan has been lying about death for a really, really long time. Some of the most popular ones was a neurosurgeon who died and went to heaven and came back and wrote about all of the scientific parts of how that would work together. And I think about her her name is Eden Alexander and how she came out later after she spent 35 weeks on the bestseller list and said, you know what, none of that was true. I just thought it might get me some attention. Well, it did. You are a liar. And I think about the little, the little boy, Heaven is for real. You probably didn't see this, but that whole family came out and said that not one ounce of that was true. But boy, it got purported that this thing is big and Bible study is going galore all over the place. Listen, you got to be careful about Bible studies too, because if they're making a profit over it, it doesn't have to be real. This is what we
0: trust, this is who we trust. Jesus, the creator and sustainer of life, the resurrection
1: and the life, came back from the dead and he revealed himself to the world and we rejected him. And so he said, since you won't believe me, I'll
0: send back a four-year-old and maybe you'll believe him. Doesn't sound right. Maybe, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll be more believable.
1: No, Jesus said, and I believe it's Luke 16, he tells the story of the rich man Lazarus, and, you know, Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom and is in torment, and he says, you know, Abraham, I just want to go back to be able to to tell my brothers. Remember that? I want to go back so I can warn them, and I can tell them they don't want to come to this place. I'm tormented. Remember what Jesus said? Oh, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't believe, even if a dead man comes back to life. you know, Don't let Satan, the subtle serpent, twist and tweak death. Because we have nothing to fear if you're walking with Jesus. Now, dying, maybe, that's something else. I'm not talking about dying. I'm talking about fearing death, fearing the eternal. Because what it really boils down to, it's not so much death that scares us, It's judgment.
0: I hope God's in a good mood. I hope a really good person goes right before me. I want to catch him on a good day. When all is said and done on these
1: lies on these misbeliefs, these untruths, this misinformation.
0: You say, well, what's the harm? Well, it makes our truth about eternal
1: life and judgment harder to believe. When people get
0: lied to over and over and over, Satan doesn't care. That's what he's trying to do. Is to get us not to believe in hell. Which, by the way, be
1: very, very careful because right now, most Christian books that are being rewritten are trying to tell you that hell isn't real anymore. Probably never was. We've misinterpreted
0: most of Jesus' teachings about hell. Be careful. And I'm telling you, and and I say that because as we see this whole thing
1: winding and winding and we see wars and rumors of wars and peace and safety and one-world governments and mandates all over the place, let me tell you something. There's going to be a great falling away as well. And I love you, and I don't want it to be us. And if you're not careful, you're going to believe things that reinforce what you want to be true. And, fall.
0: and I don't want it to be us. It doesn't have to be us. The word of God trumps experiences every time. So filter your experience through truth. Don't filter truth through your experience. What does that mean to get in
1: So there's a lot of misinformation about death in our culture. It's a a topic that most people, most people, most people I know can continue to put off. Uh, Death is something that we should spend a lot of time thinking about. Yeah, I know it's not fun. Death, you know, we try to avoid death at all costs and extend our lives at all costs. And I'm not saying that we should desire to die. I'm not saying that, I'm, I'm not saying any of those
0: things. I'm saying that it shouldn't. The fear of death when we think about eternity, it should bring peace, not fear.
1: And if, if the, the prospect of eternity brings fear, then we must find a way to bring peace to that fear. Because if you're, if you're fearful of eternity, if you're fearful of
0: judgment, it might be a symptom that your heart is misaligned with the things that you know is true. of America believe in hell. 58%. Only
1: 4% said that they might go there. I'm good. I wish that it were 0%. 75% of America believes that they will go to heaven. Well, I hope so. I hope it's more than that. But it's funny to me that 75% of America believe they're going to heaven. Only 58% believe in hell. And we get both
0: of those concepts and places from the same source. Jesus spent about 13% of his teaching
1: devoted to warning us about hell and judgment. I think one of the greatest helps for modern Christianity would be to focus more clearly on eternal judgment and to know what it is, I'm surprised by the number of Christians who does not, they do not understand how that even would
0: work. And yet, the one certainty of life is that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. As long as we don't have to think about it, we can live however we want to live. Even when I say that, I feel tension. No one wants that. We don't like how we feel when we start thinking about eternal judgment. So, I've got a solution. Rather than focusing on the judgment, spend whatever time it is that you
1: have left focused on the judge. And when you have a personal relationship
0: with the judge, you don't have to fear his judgment. Yes people, you think you're going to go to heaven. Well, I hope so. Listen, you don't have to hope.
1: You don't have to hope that. You just got to know the judge. You got to trust the judge. Have I done good enough? Am, am I a good enough person? Oh, God, these are just lies. Yes, Jesus is good enough, and yes, Jesus has done enough. If you will trust Jesus Christ, he is the litmus test. And we already know that it pleased the Father to crush the Son so that the righteousness of Christ could be imputed upon you. You are the righteousness of Christ. This is why Jesus is so eager. I mean, I read that in, in John 17 so much differently now. It's just like, and all the things that I want for them. He doesn't pray for evangelization. He doesn't pray for, you know, these great spiritual gifts that are about to come. He doesn't pray for long lives.
0: I just want him to be where I am. I just want him to be where I am. So funny to me that most of
1: us at some point in our life will pray against the one thing that Jesus wants more than anything else. We'll pray that death won't come upon us. We'll pray that death will push away. Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm just saying that sometimes our view of eternity
0: is just should reveal to us our love for this place. We have to go through what we fear most in order to enjoy what we long for most.
1: For those who love Jesus, live for him, want to join him in eternity, death becomes a gift.
0: For those who don't want to live for Jesus and want to make this world heaven, death is a curse. Yeah, we hate death and we we resist it. Romans 6.23
1: tells us that death is a curse that we bear and the tragic wages of rejecting God and his kingdom. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, Paul says to the church at Corinth that death is the last enemy that will be destroyed. And so we know that
0: death is our enemy. But it's an enemy we've already won't beat. <laughs> He's still our enemy, but... Psalm 116, 15, God counts precious the death of his saints. And Paul even called death gain. Uh, Paul said again to the church at Corinth, O
1: death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord
0: Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered our last great enemy when he rose from the dead. In fact, he did it so
1: powerfully, so complete is his defeat of death that Jesus, even in his life, he spoke this way. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. It's not death that's great gain. It's the resurrection and the life that comes from the defeat of death. It's your death. Death doesn't win. Death is a phase that we pass through. And immediately, as soon as we experience death, it is a kick to the head. And we move right into everlasting life for those who love Jesus and love his appearing. Now, I am going to shift there just a little and say... If you're not living your life for Jesus Christ, it's not about a decision that you made at some point in your life. If you're not living for Jesus, for Jesus Christ, if you're not living to experience his glory with him for all eternity, if that's not the makeup of your everyday life of walking in communion with him and experiencing his life in you now, then you should be terrified of death. Because when death comes, so does judgment, and judgment is eternal And it would make sense to me, listen, if I were to write a theological book, I would say in it, if I were to separate it from Scripture, I would say, I believe that Jesus is the judge, and I believe that if you do not go to heaven, then you will go to some place of torment for a few seconds and then be annihilated. Hell isn't a real place. A good God wouldn't do that. If I didn't have the Scripture, that's how I would write it up because now all of a sudden all I'm doing is forfeiting good things, but if I don't live my life for Jesus, meh. Let me tell you something, your life is more than meh. It's eternal. There's a good reason why we
0: should fear it if we're not in a relationship with the resurrection. In closing, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17.
1: This is, the, this is the application. Jesus said, or uh, John said this, 1 John 4, 17, 21. I'm just going to read it. By this. Okay, well, what? So we got to go back to verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So by this love that we are experiencing from God, through God, by this love, love is perfected. That word perfected means brought to maturity to become like Christ with us so that we may have what? Confidence for what? The day of judgment. Isn't
0: that what you want to have? Confidence in the day of judgment, not fear and dread and terror. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because
1: as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So here, love is tied with judgment and death and fear also is tied with judgment and death. Those are your two options. And here's how you will know how you can stand in confidence, in peace, in the day of judgment. This is, this is significant. We need to get this. Here's how you can know. How well have you loved each other? That's, what, that's exactly what John says. That's how you know. Not by what you say is true, but letting it trickle down into here. And here's how you know that you're believing in your heart. It's proven by loving each other with the love of God. By which you have been loved by him. So, I don't know how to love people. Well, you need to love the way Jesus loves. And if you don't know how he would do that today, then you need to go back and see how he did it then, because he does it the same way. How well are you loving each other? And I don't mean just each other, because it's really easy to love. You guys are the easiest people on earth to love. It's easy to love you. There's some people, there's some people it's not
0: easy to love. I mean, none of you, <laughs> obviously. Some of you did that way quick. but Well, that got practical real quick. It's real
1: easy to talk about resurrection and being able to know things mentally. But here's how you know that you believe the resurrection and the life. Is that you're giving the resurrection and the life away by the way you love people that are the least
0: eligible and worthy to receive it. Fear and peace in the day of judgment is in proportion to how well you love. Not how well you say it, how well you love. And if there are people that need to be forgiven, then you need to forgive them. If
1: there's conversations that need to be had, then you need to step into it. If there are are people that you need to ask for forgiveness, then you need to step into it. If there's conversations that you've been pushing away because it's too risky or, you know, you're too afraid, you need to push it back. Because that fear is a whole lot less than that fear of eternal judgment should be. We need to be known around the world as people of love, not people that are right. We already know we're right. If we weren't right, we'd change our opinion. We need to be known by our love. That's what Jesus said. So this morning, I want to encourage you. If, if there's something in your life that's not right with the people around you, maybe you live with them. And Paul says, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace. That's not, you can't always control what other people do or how other people will respond. But may we walk with confidence, focused on eternity, without fear and dread. Because our focus is on Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the confidence that we can have. And, and it's, like, it's like on every page is this marching toward eternity and, and how, how we get so distracted by marching toward our next comfort. I don't, I don't know, but I know that it's a lie from hell. And we need to be aware of that today. And so I thank you for allowing us to, to take inventory. And over the last few weeks, Lord, as we've talked about bringing peace into all the confusion and chaos and crises of our day and anxieties and all of the things that you've taught us and how, and how your word says that faith, you know, faith and hope uh, brings, brings peace in our life. And so, Lord, as we look back and we see how faithful you've been, we're able to look forward with hope, knowing what you have promised will come to pass. And when we are settled on that, we can, we can live each day. Each day we're free to just love because we're not worried about our past. It's settled. We're not fearful for our future. It's settled. So Lord, wherever our thinking and our feeling are are out of whack wherever we're believing some of Satan's lies I pray that today even if we never figured that out I pray that today we would be settled in knowing that we do not have to live in fear we do not have to live in trouble but we can walk in confidence as long as our hand is in yours so Lord for those of us today who may be here and are not walking with you pray that your spirit would do a supernatural work right now. You'd break our hearts. You'd grant us repentance. As we see the the desperate need of the world to be able to see and to compare a different kingdom to the ones we're watching. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, And we give you permission to use us for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me, please? You know, this this morning I want pretty pretty simple. As much as anything, these some of these things are just things that need to be said. As we are fast forwarding into our future. but I want us just to live free of fear. I mean, wouldn't it just be wonderful just to be able to live without care because we've casted all of our cares upon him. That Whatever it is that there is to fear, perfect love that cast out fear and we have received his perfect love. Be able to walk in, in such a freedom, If you want that freedom, Jesus is the only place where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. So take just a moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak. And I even hate to say that. A moment for the Holy Spirit to speak, we need to take, you need to take as much time. If the Holy Spirit is speaking, you need to stay here for weeks if the Holy Spirit is speaking. I just want us to pause and drown out the clamoring of the day and just experience his peace. To be able to look forward no matter what happens on the news, no matter what happens in your social media feed, no matter what happens on the other side of the fence between you and your neighbor. Peace. freedom to love if there's something that you'd like to sort out if there's an issue you need to reconcile how to's or whatever I'd be happy to pray with you I'll I'll hang out right down here we haven't had a chance to meet I'd love to have a chance to say hello and meet you pray with you so Lord, we just give ourselves to you and we ask that your will be done. We ask that you'll help us align our hearts with your truth and help us to walk in confidence toward the day of judgment. In fact, let us love your appearing. In Jesus' name we pray,
0: amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.